0: More TV superheroes, just what the world needs. Warning, DC and R&D, the Doom Patrol edition, contains adult language and discussions, as well as the occasional sexually explicit joke, and from time to time, some crude and off-color remarks. If you're easily offended, don't continue to listen then go fuck yourself. Alright, hello, welcome everyone to DC and RMD, the Doom Patrol edition. I am Michael Flores, your host for today's excursion into the bizarre and weird. There are leftover sex ghosts in the studio, just like in the Doom Banner. (laughs) Uh, Dave is actually uh, performing fellatio on one right now. He can't say anything because his mouth is filled. Uh Uh-uh. With (laughs) Felice. And Paul is just watching like a sicko.
1: It's so full. (laughs) So much ectoplasm.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be talking about episode five of season two titled Finger Patrol. The Synapsis. Dorothy finds a new friend. Niles plans to give Cliff human-like upgrades. Larry brings Rita to meet his family after she has a lousy audition. Listen, Larry's bringing Rita to meet his family. They ought to just fuck. (laughs) <laughs> i'm shipping them is, so hard i am not going dude, I, I do not face I, it they, that, larry that not can't not do
2: appropriate it. for him to do
0: like, like, like she'll even, die even, even before the end of the
1: day uh, uh like really he shouldn't have even been part of that situation, <laughs> situation. now <laughs> but the, it it just carries on from you know the fact that larry just can't win
0: yeah he makes some, he doesn't make great decisions. Does no, he? Yeah. he does
1: not make great decisions. And it continues I mean, on. He did decide to train with the
2: negative spirit, and that saved the day. <laughs>
0: Dude, Dude, that scene was fucking great. Yeah. Like, I got actually, you know, that superhero, like, chills you get when something cool happens, like the first time Spider Man in the very first movie swings for the first time. Yeah. Hey, that's the moment I felt. That's the same feeling. No, same so What did he say?
1: Negative energy eject? Is negative what, spirit release? It, dude, finally! And suddenly he he, he could do it. And I'm like, like you're right. And, this is the Spider-Man moment. Not for only
2: him. did he not fall over that whole time because he's been practicing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was holding a
1: box. Yeah,
2: didn't, didn't let it drop. Uh huh. Yeah, I liked it. He even held onto it when the spirit supermaned him to safety, which
0: I didn't <laughs> know it could do. Yeah, see, I like that, too. That was so fucking powerful. That entire moment. Yeah, so this episode was directed by Glenn Winter, written by Chris Diengris and Shoshana Sachi. Dorothy made a wish at the end of the episode, and it didn't go over very well. No, it did not.
2: Honestly, I don't blame her. (laughs) I mean, I think it went over well for her. It was probably exactly what she wished for. I, I get it.
0: I don't blame her. I mean, if the candle maker was my friend, I would have made several wishes the moment I met Rita. I was like, please.
1: Wish, please. <laughs> wish. <laughs> wish. <laughs> I
2: wonder if candle maker can grant those types of wishes. You, Dude, he, based on the wish that he just granted,
0: I don't think his but, powers are limited. But what would he do, though? Like, he can't, like, okay, so you wish that someone, you get protected, okay, right? Or yes. someone dies. But how do you wish that you want someone to fall in love with you? That, How does he do it, right that? There.
2: How does he do it, though? Does he like I don't know? Goes goes into their brain and torments probably, them yeah, until probably, they love you. Yeah, know, probably though.
1: you know, like manipulates them into believing what they see. Well, Dave, that's gonna be a thing in my comic book. I'm writing. I'm writing some <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> He's writing some fan fiction. Yeah, so, yeah it's,
0: it, but it's a it's a Candlemaker spinoff fan fiction.
1: Just to make your sh- your your Larry Reedaship happen. Yeah, ha- has a writer ever put himself
0: in his own fan fiction? Because I'm gonna put myself in it. It's gonna be very meta.
2: <laughs> just just write it under a different pen name. because uh, Brian Michael Bendis as a human has been in several like, yes, he a has. character and oh, several really? things yes, that I've has. read, but they're usually not written by him.
0: So I wouldn't be overly pretentious to do that.
2: No, no just insert no. character Michael Flores as okay. writer. Michael
1: Jimenez. Jimenez. <laughs> I like that. I like that name, Michael Jimenez. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Rita naked <laughs> candle maker. Make
0: it we, happen. And we boned so hard. <laughs> we boned. So and hard. then she blew out a candle. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Yeah.
1: That's awful. There was all wax right. dripping all over her. Oh, she was dripping. Uh, okay. Well, all right
0: so this episode did feel a bit like a bridge episode it did yeah Uh, moving those and we need episodes like that so that's not a negative but it definitely did feel like a bridge episode moving those necessary elements into place before the last half which is just four episodes we're here we are officially over that halfway hump yeah And this episode felt a little back end heavy. I found myself wondering where all of this would end up, specifically the whole steel and stone dude aspect. That was funny. I wish I'd watch a show. I'd watch a show like (laughs) that. They've got to make a web series of that just (laughs) for fun. Give us like five to eight minute webisodes. Yeah, just 30
2: minutes of content when it's all said and done. And I'm fine with it. I would totally watch that.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine it will lead to something, though, a bit more relevant. A show like Doom Patrol doesn't really have a lot of time to waste. So even though that was a fun moment of levity, it has to lead to something specifically because we saw or I should say, especially because, you know, Cliff walks away with a finger. Yes. So that's got to play a part,
1: right? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Doom Patrol that I really like. Every single action that happens matters. Like there's a reason something happens. I mean, there's a reason why we continue the story of Niles passing the buck to everybody to take care of Dorothy, which I thought was hilarious because I'm going, well, they're just doubling down on the fact that Niles is a terrible father. (laughs) And then with Cliff Cliff and Vic, I was actually going, okay, they're doubling down again on trying to get. Cliff, over the fact that he does he's robot man, he does not have any feelings he's a brain in the jar. <laughs> I, I did
0: like um that they gave him a bit of a win. You know, Cliff has had just one round of bad luck after another. the fact that he can't feel anything that's honestly that's the worst. I'd rather be Larry honestly if I had to choose which horrible thing that these doom patrol people have i'd I would choose even Larry over Cliff. Cliff has no feeling, no sensation. I mean, he's just a brain and a and a robotic body. He's essentially not alive.
1: Yeah, so, I would, I, I think I would have to agree with you on that because, like, I was originally thinking that, I don't know, Larry all messed up as he is. Yeah, but he's got energy know, power and he can well, create yeah, see, worlds like, like other dimensions. Like, I mean, it, underneath it, those bandages, he's fucked up. I mean, whatever. I would live in a dimension well, okay, world.
2: Okay, so, but time out, though. So, like, him being fucked up under those bandages. What, what does that impact his ability to like get a lady or gentleman to fall in love with him? Cause like Cliff's
1: not getting any of that either. <laughs> so, exactly. That, that's true. At least Larry can whack it, you know, and he can, he can experience an orgasm from what we saw in season one that's too. Right. Because remember me and you were cracking up that basically Cliff was just standing there. Oh, Oh, yeah. Pretending. Oh, oh, yeah, pretending. Yeah. Pretending. <laughs> yeah. So giving him that
0: win, in this episode and that win I'm talking about is just simply offering uh, some superficial advice that actually worked for uh, he felt useful. I like that they gave Cliff something that actually he understands, which is, you know, we know that he was a ladies man. So to see him offer a little bit of advice to uh, to Vic and it actually worked because I was waiting for it to blow up in Vic's face, like well, something bad to happen. And, yeah, and same this, here. I was waiting for it because like, Vic was going to take the advice and then, like, use it
2: the right way because at least in regards to women, Vic isn't a piece of shit. Right. So, like, he genuinely, you know, like, took it and did the right thing with that information or whatever.
0: Yeah,
1: but it was funny because when it worked, he's all, did that work? <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Because, like, it, uh, let's face it, out of Cliff, out of all the characters, Cliff is the one that has not had a win. Yeah. I mean, even with even in season one where we thought he would have some closure with his daughter, he didn't get it. No, there's no closure there.
0: Yeah. Now, despite all that, most of the narrative of this episode did rest on the shoulders of Larry and Jane. There was a little bit for Rita, but mostly Larry and Jane. They were at the center of, of this episode. Larry's story in this episode here was more of the same and not that's not a negative that's just what you have to do when you're trying to lay down the groundwork for this man's journey into you know into and out of hell again and again i mean just more shit shoveled on top of his life his mistakes coming back to bite him the mistake that he made of honestly thinking that he can have a relationship with his son that was another mistake and I expected something like this to happen. The entire issue that went down and he's always just a little too late with his resolve. Look at last season with his boyfriend when he finally had enough courage to go talk to his ex lover. He was dead almost. He was he was knocking on
1: death's, death's door. door. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: uh, the suicide of his son at the very beginning of the season. He decided to see, or I should say the negative energy, decided to push him to see this vision of his son, and it was too late for him to do anything. The damage was already done. He witnessed his son commit suicide. Then in this episode, he chooses to do something huge, which was awesome. He says openly he's gay, and correct me if I'm wrong,
1: he's never actually said that, has he? No, this is the first time, and I I honestly, for me, this was probably the... Most powerful moment for Larry. I agree. In in up to this point and even f- since season one is without a doubt. Honestly, I was waiting it- in season one for him to come out and say it and just say what we all can see that he is. And this moment, honestly, is more powerful than any superhero. Like in just like this in like com- parallel you talked earlier about how him releasing that energy was, as negative man, having control over the negative spirit was a Spider-Man moment. Him seeing him saying, looking at his son and saying that I'm gay hmm. is just as powerful as that. I agree. And that's, that's what made it really cool. Having those two things happen Dude, it where was, he tells I mean, his this... son and suddenly bang, he has a Spider-Man moment. And suddenly he is a superhero because he believes in himself now.
2: Following up on the, uh, I don't sing moment from last season and then the like more effort, but still poorly executed, like him trying to trying to be flirted at in the house party uh, <laughs> last episode, like him, him finally having this moment of like, all right, well, I guess this is who I am. So
1: hey, it's the you? first step that he can take to yeah. kind of get what, Larry... what Larry's, what Larry's character is trying to find, you know, talking about like psychological elements here, Larry's character is trying to find is something that a lot of people who come out of like rehab kind of, they they want to find forgiveness for their past deeds. Right. But in the end, they have to actually first come into terms with themselves. Well, they say that with, don't
0: they say that with pretty much anyone that's going through anything in their life, any type of, you know, tragedy, a divorce, a death of a loved one, any type of trauma, they always say that you have to you have to learn to understand your feelings and your emotions and you have to accept them and understand them before you make any real decisions. Real
1: decisions, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I would definitely agree, Dave, that the moment with Larry openly, I mean, essentially coming out of the closet for the first time, officially. I think we can finally say that he has come out of the closet. He admitted that and that's a huge step for him because as we know, this is a guy that struggles with numerous things, self-loathing, low self-esteem, self-worth. He he hates himself because of what, as we were, if we remember what happened in season one, how his family rejected his, his sexuality as a child. So all these things are just building on top of him. And the fact that he, returns to what he ran away from his family and openly admits something about his sexuality something that is him I feel like it was very fitting was it the right time and place possibly not especially after what happened and where his relationship is with his son which yeah. is nowhere he doesn't really have a relationship he with have his a son relationship. but I think he wanted his son to understand why he possibly you're not going to ever explain yourself in a way to your son that you abandoned. You're never going to fix it. You're, you're just not. If you, there's nothing you can say to that kid or that man. And you have to remember whenever, it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old, when you're looking at your father, you're still a, a kid and there's nothing you can, it ex, you can explain to that kid that you abandoned. That's going to make it all better.
1: And, and the weird part for me was like, I understand where they were going with his son. Like his his son basically betrayed him. And called the beer of normalcy on him.
2: Yeah. and Because but, his son has felt betrayed be, because for, his f- you know, what, 75 years? I don't know how old he is. And it was
1: weird because it was kind of like, I didn't know at that moment, sh- uh, are we supposed to be angry or are we supposed to hate his son now? Well, But I can't because... Well, like, he
0: didn't either. Yeah. Hey, like, if you look at, L- Larry was trying to stop everything.
1: He wasn't even mad at Paul, his son, for doing what he did. Yeah. And it's like, that for me was like, Part of the tragic moment. It's almost like Larry's tragedy suddenly just left him, but unfortunately attached to a son at that point.
0: Yeah, because the well,
1: son couldn't let go. Right,
0: and that's that's the entire point. I'm glad you said that he can't let go because he can't let go. because yes, this was a big moment for Larry. He made a lot of progress. That was a big deal, but it was too late. That's that's the story of Larry's life. His other son, Paul, is angry with him and showing up. Think about this. Put yourself in Paul's shoes. Showing up right after his brother had died of all things. How do you reconcile that as the older brother? I'm like, so now you show up if you had just, if you just cared a week earlier,
2: literally, he explains it in the episode when his brother died, he felt like this relief, this peace that finally, like at least the, the, the suffering he's been going through from like no dad and crazy conspiracy theories and getting roped in with mom. And at least all of that is over now. And then, like, oh, what's this fresh new hell, right? And, hey, Dad.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up about like the it's fact all- that the, the the fact that his son tells him about his wife and how his wife became obsessed with conspiracy theories. And it's almost kind of like at that point, I started seeing the inkling that okay, this is where we see Larry, Larry's family is scarred because of this, because of like yeah of Larry's decisions. It isn't about him disappearing. They they were scarred by the fact that he was gone and they never really recouped from it because he's not
0: there. Well, dude, both of you guys are on point because that's the saddest thing about the that, whole. That's the saddest thing about the entire Paul situation is yeah. that in. It, okay. So the saddest <laughs> thing is, is that in in when you look at everything that's happened, Paul's essentially like his dad. If you listen to what he said, he chose to run He admitted he left his mother and Gary alone with a guy that filled their heads up with conspiracy ideas. He didn't want none of that. He wanted to get away from all of that. And he left his younger brother and his mother to deal with that. That's why he's kind of level-headed and he's okay. But essentially, he did exactly what his father father did. did. His father didn't want to face the music. Paul didn't want to face the music. And they both chose to abandon the ones they love rather than deal with it. So this takes us right back to the bit last week. In last week's episode, the whole thing about parents damaging their kids, kids. is a vicious cycle. They, mm-hmm. It just repeats itself. That was the tragedy of the entire moment oh, and when his- you realize that he's angry. Like a part of me was like, I hope this kid... Is it angry? You know, hopefully he forgives him. But then I was thinking, you know, this is Doom Patrol. It's not. He's going to be angry. Yeah. And it makes sense. It makes sense that he's not completely okay and level headed. His father abandoned him. Now he has to live with the guilt that his brother committed suicide. And what makes it worse, if his father didn't show up, he can almost say Gary was just obsessed with something untrue. And then when Larry comes back, now he has to live with the fact that his mom and his brother were right the whole time. And he chose to ignore them and leave.
1: Yeah. And then think about the shit domino effect that just happens yeah. in this episode with not just Larry, but so it goes from Larry to his son. And then in the very end, you see the grandson getting shot. Not them. Uh, his the, son. Grandson yeah. was okay. Oh, yeah. The, the 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 son. And it's almost like. Jesus Christ, it, the tragedy domino just kept following this family ba- right down the line. Dude,
0: I expected them to kill all of them. Like when when one oh, guy dude, got shot, I'm like, holy shit, they're all just going to die. It's going to end with Larry looking at the bodies of his family. I'm like that. If it was any other show, I'd say it would never do that. But this is Doom Patrol and they love to just torment their... Characters. Their protagonists, their characters,
1: but they still want to carry on that that idea, just like what you said, where it's like the parent, the the sins of the father go down to the sins of the son.
2: Exactly. And like if if you look at it, you you could almost expect something just truly tragic to happen, tragic happen. As soon as that Spider-Man moment happened, because for like like legitimately, how good must that have felt for Larry to finally say that when like he. He was on a roll. He came out of the closet. Well, just, he, well yeah, he had control. It's specifically about coming out of the closet, though, he, you know, has been gay, you know, his whole life because that's how that works. Does um, it? And you know, up to the point where he had his whole experiment and plane crash and like all of that nonsense, he was probably what, like early mid thirties. I don't know yeah. ages. Um, so he's already dealing with that for you know at least half of his life when he's like aware of it and feelings and things. And uh, and John. Doesn't matter. The boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, All of that stuff. Then terrible things happen. He abandons his family. He becomes a radioactive mummy and (laughs) he lives that life for like twice as long as he's been alive so far. Just with, with all of that, like amplified the way he's felt his whole life already compounded with so much more like shame and regret and like every other thing. And then finally, you know, getting some of it off your chest, talking to your son you know something bad's going to happen immediately.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and the thing was unfortunately I you kind of saw this coming because ever since this began, you alluded it you alluded to it, Mike. I mean, ever since we start we reintroduced his son after his other son committed suicide, you kind of got the f- feeling that the son the son embraced Larry too easily. Like he welcomed him. Yeah. It was too, too good to be true. Too good to be true. Yeah. And You get to this moment and it's just like you're reminded just like what you said. This is Doom Patrol. The whole idea of Doom Patrol since season one that me and you have talked about is trauma doesn't go away. Trauma stays with you. And and then they were building up
0: the tension because Rita was in no position to be a wingman to support him. She was drunk. (laughs) She was completely consumed with her own problems. I knew everything was just going to just fall apart. Because it was going great for Larry a bit. You know, even though he said that, had that moment on the porch saying that he um, doesn't feel like, what did he say? He doesn't feel like he should have been here, that this is probably a bad decision. And he ended up being bright. Yeah. So honestly, I don't fault his son. I feel bad for Larry, but in terms of writing and logically, when you look at the decisions from a writing perspective, it absolutely makes sense. You can't expect. A, a man who's in his sixties—you oh, gotta remember, this isn't a, a person in his thirties. You're set in your ways. The damage is done when you're sixty. You're not going to fix anything at age sixty-five. It, it's very seldom. Yeah. If you read the charts and the, and the and the and the the books on psychology, it's the sad thing about all sad truth. Yeah, that, that guy is broken. Period. And it's like, and it, any chance that he had, as you had mentioned, Paul, was completely dissolved
1: when Larry showed up. And, it, and it, 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 it's compounded because I think that that's the, the whole lesson of this episode is the fact that no one ever lets go of anything because we're human. I mean, not even in Larry's story, but even in Vic's story with Silas, Silas absolutely cannot let go of his hatred for Niles. Well,
0: dude, at this he point is, he when is, he's he is so fucking like self righteous, just yeah. like just like Vic, dude.
1: Just like Vic. And like at this point, he's not gonna change because he's been like this for a long time. And it the whole episode, like you have those that moment where you see these characters that are so outlandish, but they're so human. Because I'm sorry, that's a that's a Pretty much a truth, of fact about life. It, the, if a person is stuck in their ways and they live for so long in those ways and they don't change them, they're not going to all of a sudden, suddenly, one day, wake up, snap, and suddenly change as a person. Yeah, it doesn't happen. That happens in TV, right? It does. CW shows most. CW shows, so those stupid dude. That it, it's a testament to the writing in Doom Patrol because like. In everybody's critique of Doom Patrol that I've seen, everyone says the way that the characters are are written, even though how outlandish they are, the situations they put them in, yes, it's all outlandish and it's quirky. But they're so human. They're so, like... It's it's deep. It's multi-layered. It's deep and multi-layered.
0: They're dealing with real problems. And
1: it's not like you can look at, like, what I was saying, the problem I was having was... I, my my television brain was like going oh larry's son's now the villain no no he's not he doesn't seem that way you don't get the vibes that he's a he's a bad guy you feel sorry for him in actuality because that's like a human, that's what a human would do
0: well th- this is something well, that
1: yeah you got i mean even
2: even the the other aspect of like okay so i had a, a terrible life because my dad wasn't there, and then uh, now I have my son, and also my grandson are here, and we're packing up the home of my dead brother, who killed himself because of my dad. Then my dad shows up, like, like, legitimately to protect your son and grandson. Yeah. You might like, I don't want you to be part of their lives. I don't even want them to know about you. The fact that they saw your mummy ass is already too much. Too much. Come <laughs> with me to the barn. I'm going to shoot your face.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> it, no, you're spot on because that's to be honest with you. I know myself. And if my father came walking in, you know, 40 years later and want to, uh, and I have a good family and I, I'm a good father. I raised my son. And he raises his, that was the whole point. That's why there was the three boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the entire point to show that the three generations are doing what he wasn't. And he comes in and destroys it. That's why these are so real. It's complicated. It's not simple. Because most of us would react like. In fact probably a lot more aggressively. Than than his son acted. Because oh, yeah. if I saw him at the funeral. I'd be like what the fuck are you doing here. And who the fuck are you to think you can be here. I would not have even held it back a little bit. Like he did. So it's. It's, it's a really. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I don't even have words for it. It's just so. I don't want to say relatable because I've never been through that experience but it's, it's so well it's Real. correct yes, none of correct. the reactions that people have in like any
2: situation seem like incorrect like yes yeah. absolutely I've never been in this particular situation with a giant cockroach or whatever <laughs> but like no part of how anybody is reacting feels incorrect
1: yeah, yeah. none of their characteristics nothing nothing that basically that makes them not their superpowers, not what they look like, what's inside of them, and what's in their brain as a human being that does that that's really relatable,
0: yeah all right, so let's move over to Rita. She has pretty much just fallen back into her, her into her old ways, a little bit of narcissism, a bit of uh, too much to drink. That memory has really stirred up some bad feelings, some bad. Memories and her insecurities have really come forward this season. She really suffers very clear that she suffers with her self worth. That was something that was clear last season, and they're really doubling down on that her self worth, her self esteem. And that memory, what that does, it contextualizes Rita's problems in a way that we didn't even see fully last season. And when you take into account that she's attempting to audition for a role, She's trying to prove to herself and her mother that she did have talents. That's what that memory has done. She's trying to take ownership of her life. As we know, again, read the books on on, uh, child abuse, psychological abuse. The whole issue is ownership of your life, making sure you have control of your decisions And one of the biggest fears for someone like Rita and the rest of the Doom Patrol is not having control or being in control. And sometimes you have to prove to yourself that the actions you take are your own. And that's why, even though I pretty much got the gist of her issue last episode, the way they clarify in this show is just they know how to beat a dead horse. The right way. The right way. Hey, guys, we know you know what their problem is, but now we're going to give you a little bit more. And that little bit more does what it needs to do to keep the show flowing, keep all the themes connected, because yet again, what are we dealing with? This is a problem directly connected to bad parenting. So you have an issue again with Rita trying to find her worth because of that memory Imagine thinking that you thing, because the only thing she ever finds solace in is what her, her talents as an actor that she's good that that's what she takes pride in and to have this memory surface where maybe her talent wasn't acting maybe that wasn't her at all. It was her mother sleeping around sleeping getting your job getting her job. So now she's dealing with that the fact that wait a second. So I wasn't even good at that. I didn't get these jobs because I was good. I should focus on my other talents. So. You can imagine what she's going through. And even though Rita was, she a, was a bit of a bitch last episode to Dorothy. I mean, she got her due in this episode. I mean, she got sprayed on by the plant section at Lowe's, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> she looked kind of foolish. So the, 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 the thing that's funny about these writers is the writers never let our Actors get away with shit. Yes. Like, like you did this, this episode, and we're going to make sure we tell the audience, or we're going to make sure we show the audience that we don't think this behavior is okay, so we're <laughs> going to make sure you suffer just a bit. <laughs> because that moment when, she, when, the, when the director writer slash assistant manager walked away and just left her standing on that platform, and then the plant started being watered, and she was just, <laughs> she was just sitting there. I was like, that's fucking awesome, dude. It's just a nice way to just... Add more to their shit life. Now yeah. I'm now I'm being sprayed. Great. <laughs> so other than that, there wasn't a whole lot for Rita. I did like to see that she I mean, did control her powers when she needed to. Yeah, that she was got to a save huge
2: thing. That's a huge thing for her. That's yeah. a huge thing. She did get to be the hero of this episode.
0: Well, and you, and that was something that hopefully will be pulled over for next episode because going right back to what she was trying to prove in this episode, what was she trying to prove? That she has talents. Well, maybe her talent isn't acting. Maybe her talent is being a superhero. Being a superhero. And that might give her the little boost of self-esteem she needs to get over the next hump.
1: Well, especially since, you know, like since the beginning of season two, Rita has wanted to become more of a superhero. She's my superhero. (laughs) I'm sure she is. (laughs) Hold on. Let me make a wish. (laughs) But like when it comes to when it comes to her story, that this is her big stumbling block. It's. Her insecurities because of her mother now, and I do like the fact that every single—I don't know if—I mean, Mike's probably noticed it, but like in every single character story arc that we had in this episode, all the parents are are dumbasses. Like Silas is is, is just like what Mike said—he's a self-righteous prick. He has a chance to actually help someone, but because he hates someone. He's not going to do it. And that's even, just a dick maneuver. Even
2: the excuse that he gives, like, uh, and he, and he know, does I don't that. want to be an accessory to Manson. Just make fucking Cliff sign
0: a waiver. Yeah. Like, fuck well, off. Well, the, fact okay, that so, the fact
1: that he's that self-righteous, too, in
0: front of his son. Well, dude, that's the reason why his son is self-righteous. That's, that's why that's his son why is self-righteous. The, when you look at it, nothing in this show is just by accident. The only... Yeah okay, yes, we want to give Cliff a chance at a new life, right? That was the excuse to bring him in. But the real point was to make sure we see the con not the contrast, the comparisons between what Vic did last episode and how his father is now acting. Yes. That same self-righteous mentality of, oh, Niles committed manslaughter. I can have no part with that. Even though this poor dude has been essentially dead
1: for like 60 years. 60 years. And it's like, He's acting that way in front of his son, and obviously that—that's affecting his son. Yeah. And then you know you have Rita dealing with her mom, which I don't fault fault her mom for doing. Oh, no, I don't either. But like that is a terrible thing to do for your child. <laughs> well, <laughs> if the, that the fact that her daughter saw it. Yeah, her her daughter saw it, and the well, mom she, didn't care.
2: I I feel like there's there's so many layers to that because even without the daughter seeing it, she's doing that. To get her daughter, whether she has talents or not, because it doesn't matter. She's boning the producer for the part. Um, She's doing that to get the child into, you know, the the acting business. Right. At which point, you know, uh, ideally the child will eventually gain like fame and stardom. And now the parent is going to feel entitled because the only reason that happened was not because the child genuinely had talent and got there themselves, even though that may be true because the parent fucking boned the producer to get her parts. So like that's going to be this What if she was doing this, it for love, Paul? No, <laughs> that's going to be this whole <laughs> like a negative um I don't know what like like you you owe me kind of a mentality yeah. Yeah. on the parent yeah. forever.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then what if they were doing it out of love? Like Sally Field in Forrest Gump when she wanted to get her son into that 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 school. You know, that was for
1: love. Yeah.
0: Leaving with the dean.
1: That was that was for love. <laughs> and then and then you get to to Niles Niles is, isn't the greatest parent either. I'm sorry. Here, here, you two kids play. I'm going this way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's a terrible parent. I, I
0: don't know if that's terrible. I, I, I don't know. I feel like this episode was trying to make a point that Niles is trying to do exactly what Rita had suggested three episodes ago, and now that Danny has abandoned him, he's now attempting to make amends. He's he's trying to do go, do right by Cliff. He's trying to create a new bond with Jane, which created a lot of problems that backfired. backfired. But but I don't think Niles is I don't think in this episode he did anything wrong necessarily. I feel like if anything, he was actually trying to do the right
1: thing. He He was was trying trying to to help people. He was trying to do the right thing, but he still made a bad decision. That's
0: the by thing. allowing someone as unstable as Jane and someone as unstable <laughs> as his daughter, his daughter to be left alone. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> and, and th- th- that's the thing. His intentions were good. I mean, if you you can even flip on the other parent uh, on the other parents of this episode, said their intentions are well placed.
0: Yeah, but he's like a Zoom parent, you know, like we see now nowadays during COVID. Like the kids are setting the house on fire, but he doesn't see it. But everyone else on Zoom it. sees it behind him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Jane, since we're going there. Jane wants things to be the same with Niles, even though she knows it can never be. But you get the gist. That's the entire point that she wants that relationship. She needs it for her own well-being. She realizes that she needs that relationship with Niles. But as we know, what's Jane's entire issue with men? With I shouldn't say men, but father figures. They, it, bo- they bone
2: her. Wall <laughs> <but, laughs> <ugh,
0: laughs> betrayal at its <laughs> there highest. <you> go. Betrayal. <laughs> That's a better that word. That, that is That's betra- a better word. Paul. Betrayal at its highest. You know, highest. What's the word I'm looking for? Highest bone. order. So stupid. Betrayal. She she has trust issues when it comes to father figures, and this yeah. is a relationship that Niles and Jane had been working on for years, and it was destroyed with the reveal (laughs) of what he had done to everyone and she's trying to get better. And she realizes that in order for her to be better and to get better, she needs Niles assistance and she's going to need to mend this relationship. Yes. It's never going to be the same, but let me attempt to make it better. And I feel like having baby doll come forward. Pretty smart writing here was Jane's way of making a connection with Niles again it's the easiest way to be vulnerable through the eyes of naivety. Yeah. Because if Jane couldn't, basically, Baby Doll did what Jane could not welcome him back, say, Yes, I need you. Let's mend this fence. We need you. We need assistance. We need your help. But as we know, that didn't go over well because jealousy quickly took over, which made absolutely. All the sense in the world. Yeah, and I had a feeling this was going to happen. The moment Baby Doll appeared, I knew this was going to happen because we had already know we had already we had already set it up. If you go back to the first episode of the season, Jane was already kind of miffed with Dorothy. Yes, and the relationship that Niles had with her. Oh, this is your daughter. Like you can tell it bothered her because Jane was essentially Niles' daughter. Like that's that Niles was her was her father figure. It's.
2: It's a joke, but I think in the first season, the first time we see her, um, she, like somebody refers to her as the chief's daughter.
0: Yeah. In yeah. fact, she's the one when he was taken to that other world by, um, by Mr. Nobody. She was the one that was like, we need to go save him. We need to go yeah. save him. It was her father, someone that she actually trusted. So the moment we had that set up in the first episode of this season, I knew jealousy at some point was going to play a part. Later in the season and of course it does because it sets everything into motion pertaining to to Dorothy and baby doll and it makes perfect sense Jane as I said was like a daughter to Niles yeah and the way it all ended between Jane and Dorothy I will admit I did not see that happening oh no no you know Dorothy's familiar the Wendigo was killed by one of Jane's personalities yes I was a little upset Cause I liked the Wendigo. I thought the fact that he was kind of like, he was, he, <laughs> he was her protector, you know, and we got clarification on what exactly he was. She had a special bond with him. He knew of her existence before the mother did. So you have this whole relationship being built and you see this connection and then he's murdered. He's murdered like hard and fast. Yeah. And, yeah. and abruptly. I, I wasn't
1: quite sure how I felt. By that like i was like that's that's fucked up but here but, was the thing it made sense though because like in a lot of ways the fight between dorothy and and uh jane you expected two children to fight like that children can burn be nasty. each other alive oh children well, yeah, can dude, be children yeah. can be freaking children have nasty no dude.
2: Chill because they, they don't, have not chill they don't realize what they're doing until it's done they don't understand you're,
1: the repercussions you're looking at yeah. you're looking at someone who used to work at a place called Legoland, and we had a playground in the back that had no parent supervision at all. And I'm sitting there. Did murders go down, or something, <laughs> dude. I've seen kids body slam each other without caring the world. There, I, this is one story that I always tell people that freaks them out. What the first rule of Legoland is, you don't talk about yes. like, Legoland. No, you don't Why talk about fight club. Don't talk about, about backroom, back man. Because like, so I'm sit, so I'm standing there, and there's a bunch of kids playing in the playing in this two-story playhouse and there's a place in the top floor that has a window panel that you could see and kids are running around i see this kid just continually slam the kid against the window and all the other kids are cheering (laughs) the kid is being beaten up like crazy ends up getting a bloody nose comes down is basically just going am i bleeding and i'm like going we need to go find your parents right now, kid. <laughs> and that's when David
0: decided never to have children.
1: Oh hell yeah, dude! That th- that experience in Legoland as a manager watching how kids act on their own. Yeah. When I saw that in this episode, I'm like going, "Yeah, this is how kids fight. They fight dirty and they fight nasty. They're they're they are they they do not pull punches. And in order to push the plot forward,
0: it did make sense. It, it we needed make sense. something not so obvious. Niles approaching his, his expiration date was obvious. If Dorothy had made a wish based on that, it would have been predictable. It's something we all expected. And the fact that she let the genie out of the bottle, literally (laughs) because of something like this, first off, we don't fault Dorothy for it. We understand that, Hey, you murdered her best friend. This protected her, raised her essentially. And it burned alive in front of her who wouldn't do the exact same same thing. thing
1: who wants to get revenge.
0: Yeah. So we understand her perspective and we also understand Jane's perspective as well, or I should say baby doll as well. She, she didn't understand as you were saying, she didn't fully understand the repercussions of what would happen. As you can see, as she's running in the underground saying, I didn't mean to, it was an accident. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I will say that reveal that the Candlemaker can enter the underground and <laughs> well, so kill personalities. Do you
2: think that he would have been able to do that without Dorothy having seen the new map that Jane drew
0: earlier that episode? I didn't pick up on that. You're right. That's. I was wondering why that was. Why? Why was there a picture of the underground? Why did we look at it? I was waiting for it to come back, and now that makes sense. And now it makes because, sense. Because the
2: chief just asked her to draw a
0: new one. Yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. And um, that's,
1: that's the thing, dude. The, the writing is so intelligent in Doom Patrol because every single thing matters. Yeah. It's not wasted action. It's not wasted space.
0: I will say I'm surprised that the Candlemaker can kill personalities. I'm not. I mean, they I mean, are essentially beings, especially because they're they were... Turned into meta-humans essentially because of Nile's experiment. So they are very much real and essentially tangible within her mind, I guess. Yeah. But I did not expect the the Candlemaker to be able to enter this realm and start killing people. Well, and got, as you saw by their shocked expressions, they didn't know anyone can do something yeah. like
1: that. Well, you got to also figure what was the exact wish that Dorothy made. Because remember, she whispered it to him. I mean... It's obviously wasn't go kill Jane because he was
0: done after he killed Baby Doll, right? Maybe because did he did
2: he also kill the. Oh, the, no, the he flame killed, personality? That was, yeah. though,
0: out of self defense. Like, it wasn't well, like he was seeking her. The flame her out.
2: personality is what killed Manny.
0: That's yeah. right. So.
2: Okay,
1: then you're but, right. But
2: but my question is is the flame personality actually dead? Because she was, like, whammed into the wall on the floor, not on fire I anymore. I kind of hope they Looked are. pretty dead.
1: No, no, I, no. She was dead.
0: I kind of hope they she are. She was dead. I hope Baby Doll's dead, and I hope the flame. Baby Doll's for sure dead. I hope baby Doll's for sure dead. dead. And the reason why is because that will raise the stakes. If we know. It it shows Candlemaker's true power. I mean, it really damages Jane as a character, too. Because, like,
2: what good well, is somebody that only has 62 personalities? <laughs> <laughs> she
0: could just make up a new one, a new ba- baby doll 2.0. But, no, you br- you're joking. But that's a good point, though. Because when you think about it, the entire point of the underground and her personality is to protect themselves. Protect themselves. Protect K. And if something can now enter the underground where the, and in a place that's their realm where they control, it's their world. And something can come in and tell and them differently yeah. and say, oh, no, this is I can do what I want. Here. I can kill you. It's definitely going to leave a lasting effect on Jane without a doubt. Well, so like also what's to stop looking mean, at Hammerhead's reactions when she realized that Baby Doll was killed. She was shocked. What's to stop the candlemaker? For yeah,
2: yeah. What's to stop candlemaker from you know? Should he get into the underground again, surfacing as the primary?
0: Oh shit! I didn't. It's think possible, about that. but uh, maybe but that's gotta, how he escapes.
1: Well, no. Here's the thing: the candlemaker probably doesn't want to escape because he wants to stay with Dorothy. Because remember, he's there to protect Dorothy.
0: Well, is he? <laughs> he's, I feel like at this point. There's got to be a reason. He's not a loving creature. There's got to be a reason why he's with her, and it, it's more. It has has got to do. It has got to do with a lot more than simply I want to protect her, because he doesn't seem to have her best wishes at.
1: Well, you also have to throw in the, on the fact for. you, you the have best, to at heart. Yeah, you have to throw in the fact that basically best, yeah. Dorothy too is. Kind of kind of the one that calls the shots on the candlemaker. Hey, you have to make a wish, make a wish, I will do whatever you say. Dorothy herself is also very immature and stunted as a Okay, as is a, she though as a adult? Is she oh, yeah, immature dude. because they
0: were kind of making a point to say that she's not as young as everyone thinks she is?
2: Well, yes, she she is mentally an 11 year old girl, but she has also been alive for a hundred and a quarter years, years. so like she's got a lot of life experience, but you
1: also got to remember this majority of that time she's been locked underneath Danny because that's where Niles put her,
0: right? I understand that, but Again, I guess it's not clear. I know the candle maker wants her to feel like she's an adult. I think that's clear. That's I think what I think we can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. But then she also tells Jane that these what does she say? I'm going to paraphrase here. Something about that her games are too immature for her basically alluding to the fact that she's older than that.
1: Yeah, because Dorothy wants to act. As an adult, because you got to remember, in a couple of the episodes you prior, do you think
0: that's simply all it is?
1: Yeah, I think it's that because they've seen you've, we've seen scenarios where Dorothy is trying to act an adult. Look what happens with her and Rita. What is she trying to do? She's trying to learn from Rita how to cook, how to do the all lipstick, this, the lipstick, breakfast. everything
2: else. And I don't want to play and, spin around until I can't stand up anymore. Yeah,
1: and Dorothy wants to learn that to become what an adult to be treated like an adult. Yeah, and. That's why in this one she tries to because baby doll is so young acting Dorothy tries to actually act like she's superior to her because she she wants to be the adult she wants to be like any kid who wants to be the oldest kid and that's usually how it goes. The oldest kid wants to beat up on the younger kid, <laughs> and, and baby doll. Unfortunately, ever since she's been ever introduced, has been like this very young character. How weird would it be
0: to be in a relationship with someone like that? Like you, you know, Jane. Like in real life, Jane's super high. Oh, dude! Fiery. Imagine and then suddenly she goes to like baby doll personality. and be Like, what the fuck?
2: Hey, I have to go anywhere else for a period of time. <laughs> talk you. about
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, yes, that might be a Pedo's dream come true, but for me, I'd be like, <laughs> what?
1: But yeah, imagine that, Mike. You were you were gushing about like. The last episode where she turns into uh, Scarlet Harley. I know. And then also she changes
0: into baby doll while you're would, while you're there. When she was running off down the hallway, I started laughing so hard because she looked so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we do need to go to a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to get into our final thoughts. Yeah, it is that time. We'll be right back. <laughs> Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page in order for us to continue to put out professional live broadcast and podcast episodes we need your support you the one listening right now we need you so go to patreon.com slash Rayman Digital to pledge one to ten dollars a month keep us on the air
3: and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, mm. and even blow you away. Hey. Plus... Free shipping! Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to AdamandEve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at AdamandEve.com.
1: Asshole. all right welcome back everyone are you ready for our final thoughts David do you want to start us off yeah I'll start us off um, this episode again is a for me I uh, I think this was a very strong episode it's not my favorite episode out of the season so far but it gets the job done you know you carry on a lot of the story arcs you continue with the th- the, the the themes that you are playing around with in this season it's honestly, the writers are very intelligent with their writing. They're, there's nothing wasted here. They, all the actions that all the characters do serves a purpose. It's kind of like this past week, uh, Mike may understand this, but I saw, I saw an interview of a past writer that said, talking about writing, and he says, the one question that I've, uh, that I've learned to always ask is, what is this about? What is it about? I look at doom patrol and I can actually look at that as ask that question and answer it. And every single episode it's well thought out. There's like this beautiful continuity that's doing. It's not being quirky for quirky sake. I'll say like a umbrella Academy because like, say for example, my favorite, one of my favorite moments was the daydream moment between uh, Vic and, and Cliff it was intelligently done produced really well like they 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 made it look like a 70s trailer which i loved i love that era of television and that era of film it's always ha- it always has a soft place in my heart for stuff like that and they nailed it out of the park but they didn't do it just to do it they did it because it served a purpose and what was that purpose it was to actually continue on the whole idea that cliff is this really messed up mentally person that is just longing to connect with someone.
0: Okay. David, and like, you know, sometimes I question you, but then you say things and I'm like, David knows what he's talking about. Because that's exactly, that's how I, that's what I feel is 100% the entire point of that. That was the point it's of about, it. It's about he's longing for a human connection. A human connection. And that's in a form of a friendship, something that he can feel
1: that's tangible, anything. And it goes, it goes with the character because what has he done with Jane? This is exactly what he tried to do with Jane in season one. He wanted to make a friend in this season. He doesn't exactly have that. So let's see if we can once again, show that theme and show that this character is still going through it. Have him team up with Vic this time because Jane's obviously busy right now. (laughs) And overall the, the effects, nothing looks cheesy in this. I love love candle candle maker. Yeah. I was so happy how every single time he's shown up now, I'm like, they they get, they get the imagery of doom patrol. It's like, I don't know if they like ripped Grant Morrison's imagination out of his brain and just said, splat. There you go. But I think, I think Grant would be proud of this because it's amazing what they're able to do. The Wendigo is one of my favorite characters that they've ever created that looks amazing i um have to take
0: back what i said i want to say to around episode two episode one before we had seen the candle maker and i we had made fun of the candle maker uh we're like how are they gonna do this on screen and every time we've seen him now all the two times <laughs> uh he's dude, imposing he, dude like they managed to take this corny design And make them so imposing and so scary. And the render is so good. A lot of times with effects like these, you get these these renders that don't quite look like it's in the picture. Yeah. It looks like it's simply, hey, here's the original scene, the plate, and we're just going to put it in. It actually is all mixed together well the grading it's graded into the scene it it's just graded, it yeah. looks so good part
2: part of the beauty of him is that like he's he's fucking candles so his character creates its own lighting yeah. so regardless of the environment, <laughs> environment it it like it'll it'll look the way it's supposed to look regardless of how like dark or light it might be or
1: yeah and that's so intelligent when you look at the production of it so the, project, the uh, art, the, the, the art, art department, direction. the art department, art direction is spot on. So, so like my score, score for this one is going to be a eighty nine. The eighty nine. It's not. I still like the last uh, episode more than this one, just because I got so many giggles out of out of Sex Patrol. It was awesome.
0: All right, but, Paul. What about
1: you?
2: Um, I am just gonna jump right into it because David David killed a lot of what I was gonna say. Um. I th- the episode was a lot of fun. The the steel and stone, stone and steel, it doesn't matter. Those guys, all of that was fantastic. Um, seeing a lot of the just the the development and the, the torment that uh, Larry goes through and brings upon everybody that he knows, um, and then <laughs> and then Larry. just just, Larry, just the man. fucking closer with the Wendigo dying, and then the wish, and two of Jane's personalities dying, like. There's so many ramifications. This is the f- the first three quarters of this episode was just kind of a, you know, it was a fun time. It was Doom Patrol. No part of it was bad, but it was a little bit like slow. It was very like heavy on the relationship between baby doll and Dorothy. And then, you know, we get to the end and like, well, you know, fuck, this is this <laughs> is the episode mid season that makes everything really spicy. And now I'm committed to the end of the show. Uh, not that I wasn't before, but like that is what this episode was for, and it absolutely did that. Can't wait to see how they address anything that happened in this episode: uh, personalities dying, uh, imaginary friends dying, fingers in pockets. Um, <laughs> like there's there's a lot to follow up on. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a ninety at this one. Uh, I'm ready for the
0: next. All right. Yeah, I'll keep mine short and sweet. I'm going to give this an RMD score of 88%. It was a strong episode. Not my favorite. Uh, I feel like I feel similar about this one as I did the last episode. Tons of great things going on. Fantastic reveals. Plot progression. Character progression. Everything works. Everything makes sense. Have no problems with the decisions. Some of the choices in writing, uh, the formatting, I questioned just a bit because it was very light and then very heavy. It was uneven overall. And I understand why it's a bridge episode and bridge episodes are fucking hard to write. And that's exactly what this was. So I'm not going to fault the writers for being given a, a tough assignment. So 88% solid episode. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I do want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to find us on iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Just search DC and RMD. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thank you, David. Thank you.
2: What the f-